You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. I take full responsibility for everything this government has been doing in tackling coronavirus, and I'm very proud of our record. Tens of thousands of our citizens have died avoidably. These were unnecessary deaths because of systematic government misconduct. With good British common sense, we will continue to defeat this virus and take this country forward. There were a lot of green shoots of opportunity on the horizon. You know, we've been held down on the forest floor for far too long, and we will reach that canopy again. Hello, it's another Monday. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. And I'm Caroline Hebker. Well, welcome to the show. Now, this week, Seb, was supposed to be a reset moment for Boris Johnson with new management in number 10 following last week's departures of top aides Dominic Cummings and Lee Kane. But now the Prime Minister is self-isolating after coming into contact with an MP who tested positive for COVID-19. Now, Johnson does say that he has no symptoms, sent out a tweet early this morning and that he will continue working remotely. Yeah, he was very positive, wasn't he, in a message he sent on WhatsApp to Tory MPs. He said he was bursting with antibodies. So let's just hope that it is true and you can't get it twice, although I have heard things to the contrary. But the good news is, as you say, he has no symptoms this time round. It comes alongside better news, clinical trials of a third potential vaccine beginning in the UK today. This is the Johnson & Johnson study involves 6,000 volunteers and it's been jointly funded by the government's vaccine task force. It comes alongside two existing candidates that are being tested in the UK. One is from AstraZeneca uh, and Oxford University, and the other one is Novavax. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of excitement, really, and enthusiasm for this potential vaccine. I mean, talking lots of European countries about trying to ramp up um, the delivery, potentially, of uh, this vaccine, you know, if uh, one actually materialises. Well, to talk about this and all of the other political news this morning is Mike Kane, who is Labour MP for Withenshaw and Sale. Thank you so much for being with us, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Good to have you on the programme. Look, let's talk about what is happening um, with the Tory government at the moment. So the idea was that this Monday morning would be a reset. We were going to have many announcement on announcements from uh, the Prime Minister this week and also this idea of focusing on levelling up and on not leaving behind people in the North who voted for Boris Johnson. Surely that is good news, actually, for your constituents. Well, I think the week's been marked by uh, what we've seen for months is chaos and incompetence rather than a reset. Uh, and just the weekend events, I mean, you, you couldn't make it up. You know, we have a Shakespearean, uh, you know, um, this political battle going on in um, 
in Downing Street, and then the the, the Prime Minister comes out with a, a bunch of leaked policy announcements, whether it be road pricing or the green agenda or levelling up, uh, and now we find out that 10 Downing Street hasn't been operating as a COVID-secure environment, and he's having to isolate uh, for the next two weeks because he was in contact with a, a bunch of MPs on Thursday afternoon at work. And what about the virus situation, Mike? I mean, we know that the current plan is to end the lockdown on the 2nd of December, just a couple of weeks away. Uh, the Prime Minister was apparently pretty upbeat when he was telling Tory MPs he was more confident than ever that that would happen. Is that what you're forecasting at this stage with the virus where it is? I think he will... Um for sure, I think he will say the lockdown will come to an end and then they will place most of the country back in the tier system, uh, most of the north of England into tier three, uh, which has effectively meant that my constituency has been in lockdown since July. Um, so I, I think there will be a PR game to say that lockdown has ended, but with infection rates still at four, five hundred cases per hundred thousand, um, you know, this lockdown isn't making the sufficient impact uh, in the places where the infection rate was high, and we know it's rising exponentially where infection rates were low at the start of this lockdown. So what you're expecting, Mike, then in December is effectively lockdown by stealth? Lockdown by, lockdown by stealth, which is what many of us were having across the country up till uh, this, you know, this lockdown. Uh, and effectively, as Keir Starmer pointed out one week in the House of Commons, that it was, it was him who read the stage documents, who said we should go for a circuit breaker earlier, do it over the half term, extend the half term holiday for schools um, with inset days and teacher days uh, and do the lockdown properly. We've done it too late, too little, uh, and it's not going to have the impact um, you know, that was desired. Mm, although I do sense um, in some of what the Labour Party is putting out that they're sometimes feels to me at least an element of trying to get ahead or out ahead in front of a story that is obvious but the solutions for which are actually quite difficult and so for example I will raise um, you know the other um, agenda item from the Labour Party which is the anti-vaxxer sentiment we all know that um, from surveys that people in Britain are perhaps reluctant to take the vaccine you know wisely or not people are thinking about it carefully some want it and some are, are more hesitant. And yet the Labour Party coming out with this idea of you know, trying to pressure social media companies to, to do something about it. I mean, to say that this is something that needs to be dealt with is one thing, but actually to try to deal with it is, is another. And do you think really that anti-vaccine, anti-vaccine sentiment is actually going to inhibit people taking this vaccine if and when it is on offer? Well, my riposte to that is to say that, you know, government has to show firm leadership. Once we know that these vaccines are safe and secure, uh, that they can produce them at scale, uh, then, you know, that's the public health message that needs to go out there. If we, if we are going to uh, eventually tackle uh, this virus and we have a vaccine for it, that's what needs to be happened. But with this incompetence and chaos and this dither and this delay all the time, whether it be the A-level results over the summer, NHS visa charge, MP voting systems, reopening schools, uh, you know, the quarantine uh, measures, um, you know, from one government is operating from one week to the next without clear direction and culminating in, you know, the loss of his key advisors at the weekend. This virus is difficult, you know, and Labour has, you know, except 
on the lockdown issue has supported government all along the way on public health messages because it's wrong to see the national parties in a national emergency divide on public health but 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 mike on on the anti-vaxxer issue is there any evidence that there is a sort of a scope here for a critical number of people to refuse the vaccine thereby rendering it ineffective well we we know how important throughout history um vaccinations have been with a measles mumps rubella um, smallpox, how we've eradicated that. And we've always had a voluntary code uh, of, of vaccination. And I know that once this is, our scientists prove that this you know, is safe and reliable and we'll get on top of this virus, I, I know uh, that there, there will be a, a, a huge national effort you know, politically uh, through our NHS, uh, through our, the, the British Army, logistically, uh, to, to get this up to speed and finally, hopefully, at some stage in the new year, uh, you know, begin to uh, beat this virus back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's hope that that is uh, feasible, possible in the near future. Look, let's talk about the other big issue because, you know, we started off talking about Boris Johnson trying to turn over a new leaf this week. I mean, it is a crucial time because the Brexit negotiations coming into really the final days. The Times is reporting that there is some pressure on the Prime Minister to accept a softer Brexit. Do you think that's going to happen? Is it a good idea? Well, I think our line has been um, particularly get the deal done. Um, and I think that's proving impossible. Uh, it was supposed to be the easiest deal uh, in history, and uh, it's, it's proved that it hasn't been that easy. I'm Shadow Aviation and Maritime um, Minister, and I know how worried our seaports are that they do not know, um, they have not built the customs houses, they don't know how many staff will be using them, uh, what will be going through them. And we're literally weeks away um, from, uh, you know, another chaotic moment, something we particularly don't need uh, during the national uh, pandemic. So uh, and with the machinations over the weekend, with the key uh, leaders of the Brexit Brexit campaign leaving Downing Street, I wonder whether there's going to be uh, a change of direction uh, announced over the next few weeks. But I think the government, the, the prime minister wanted to get out of the gate fast today, but obviously that's now... Uh, come to a stuttering halt because because of his isolation. Uh, but I, I think the machinations over the weekend are a prelude for some other announcement coming in the next few weeks. Uh, and when you say that your priority is to get the deal done, is that to get it done at any cost? Because after all, this is an agreement that's going to bind the UK and the EU for many, many years to come. Well, you know, we I campaigned um, to remain. Uh, my constituency here in Winchester and Sale East voted 51% remain and 49% leave. It was a, an issue that divided the nation. Um, uh, it's an issue that's going to carry on dividing the Conservative Party uh, forever. I think uh, Winston Churchill said that a, f- a fanatic is someone who can't change their mind and won't change the subject. Uh, and that's what we will have. Uh, this will not come to a resolve at the end of the year, one way or another. But some people, it won't be Brexity enough. Uh, and for others, it will be too Brexity. Uh, what Labour and what Keir's clearly said is get a deal done that you know, supports people, supports our businesses, keeps trade and goods moving and flowing across uh, our, our continent. Uh, how worried do you think your constituents are in terms of businesses and livelihoods about Brexit? Do you think we've heard a lot about how businesses are not prepared for Brexit because they've been too distracted by coronavirus? Are they ready? Well, 
my constituents face a double uh, whammy in the sense that I am an airport seat. Uh, Manchester Airport is in my constituency. The centre of cities are saying that um, uh, airport communities are going to suffer massively because the planes are just not flying. But in addition to that, 70-odd percent of all flights from Manchester Airport go to another EU uh, destination. So, you know, it, on top of the current crisis in aviation, uh, for my constituents both working and flying to and from yeah. at Manchester Airport, it's, it's a double whammy. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. And we start with Brexit. Yes, where else? So the UK is hinting that trade talks though with the EU could be extended again as key disagreements still remain. The chief negotiator, David Frost, is in Brussels today for more talks. He says that he's seen some progress in recent days, but says that Britain won't be changing its position. Ireland's foreign minister, Simon Coveney, says that a trade deal is very difficult to achieve, but still doable. This week is, if you want to use sporting parlance, this is move week. You know, we have got to make big progress this week. Hopefully we've got to get the big issues resolved in principle this week so that then we can finalise text and get this deal ratified. Ireland's foreign minister there. I've got to say he lost me at sporting parlance. But, <laughs> Which uh, <laughs> sport is it? That's the thing. We need some uh, Gaelic some football, smart... obviously. Oh, okay. I say knowing absolutely nothing <laughs> about everything I've just said. Uh, here is something I do know a bit about, and it is this study from BDO. More, almost two in five medium-sized businesses have no plan for Brexit or have delayed their preparations because of the coronavirus crisis. Our two biggest stories colliding head on here. So they found that dealing with the impact of the pandemic could be distracting businesses from planning to leave the EU. And more than one in four of 500 business leaders surveyed said that adapting their plans for Brexit is their most immediate concern. Also tricky is that we don't have a deal yet. We don't have certainty. So it's very much a moving target Mm. for these people who are planning huge logistical moves after December the 31st. Yeah, except is there reason to be optimistic? Uh, Because Britain's daily coronavirus testing capacity is set to more than double with the opening of two new mega labs in early 2021. So the government has announced that two labs will open, one in Leamington Spa, the other in Scotland. Together, they will be able to process up to 600,000 samples a day when they operate at full capacity. Lots of ifs and buts with that story. Uh, But, you know, the government obviously hopeful that they can improve test and trace yeah love the sound of a mega lab something we've really got to get running pretty soon Uh, and then you've got this story about how we can build and grow after the pandemic a cross-party group of mps peers and business leaders saying that britain can bounce back with a return to manufacturing in rundown regions so this is the new advisory board of the institute of prosperity which says that prioritizing manufacturing could give an added boost 
to former Red Wall voters. Uh, well, one woman who knows a bit about the Red Wall is the former Labour Minister, Caroline Flint. She chairs this group and she says that left behind communities stand to benefit most if manufacturing was increased from 10% of the economy to 15%. It's a drum that she beats relatively often, but you've got other members of the board as well. Lib Dem, uh, former Lib Dem leader, Sir Vince Cable, Conservative MP John Penrose, and the founder of the Institute, the businessman and economist John Mills, also formerly of this programme, where he likes to talk about manufacturing quite a lot. It's a it's a recognised group, isn't it, of people who, who really think that this is the way forward for the country? Yeah, of course, although we are basically a services-powered economy. Yeah. Uh, still, though, an interesting point. Uh, and, of course, lots for people and the public voters to digest in all of this. Uh, the shake-up in number 10, Brexit negotiations, and of course, efforts to bring down uh, the R number and uh, coronavirus uh, cases. How are people responding? Joining us now is Ben Page, Chief Executive of Ipsos Mori. Ben, thank you so much. Listening patiently there to our roundup of news. But I want to get your take on how the public is reacting. First of all, to the lockdown measures. What does the polling show in terms of how people um, have, have found it? Have sure. they boosted the government standing? They haven't boosted the government standing, um, but people do support the lockdown measures. They just believe that the government did the second lockdown, as indeed they thought about the first lockdown, too late. So the public remains very worried about the virus. They and despite um, protest marches around the kind of small protest marches around the country and about 15 percent of the population who say the measures are too strict, the vast majority of people support what the government is doing um, and you know, put much more priority on protecting health than they do on the, their concern about the economy. And we can argue about whether that's the, uh, the extension of the furlough scheme, but that's been pretty, pretty solid, to be honest. Since May, I think the government, with all of its problems over over the handling of the virus and indeed uh, Dominic Cummings' uh, escapades when he drove to Barnard Castle to test his eyesight, um, for those people following this, this is the, the chief advisor who's just been sort of has left down the street, shall we say? Yeah. Um, he is one of the ma- he's the main reason given by the public for their lack of confidence in uh, following government guidance is that it seems like you know that that that's exemplified one rule for them and a different rule for us. And it's notable that Boris Johnson, who's just announced that he was exposed to the virus uh, with somebody else in a meeting uh, recently, announced that he's going to isolate himself for two weeks uh, following, you know, following his own rules. So, you know, that's, yep. that's, that's a sort of the sort of thing that actually the majority of people want to see ben, people in power doing. I do find that staggering that it is Dominic Cummings and the trip to Barnard Castle. I mean, staggering in the sense that it really did um, cut through a lot of the politics. People understood that idea that he was accused of breaking his own rules, and that has stuck with the public. Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's, I mean, it's not just that. There's a number of, you know, there have been a number of other examples. And it's just this people, you know, we're all hypocrites, but we don't like it rubbed in our faces, I guess. And so when they see very prominent people, you know, who with the government saying one thing, and particularly at the time, of course, it was a strict lockdown, and then doing something else. And so, yes, when we ask people, what are the reasons for not following the guidance? The number one reason is, um, you know, this sort of sense of one, one rule for them and another rule for us. So I don't think most of the public aren't going to miss Dominic coming, quite frankly. Although I, I think we must 
the amount of attention that that has received over the last sort of week, over the weekend, the last five days or so, yeah. is pretty um, amazing. And actually, the, for a lot of the public, this is all all sort of detail. Um, overall, the polls are showing, uh, you know, the Labour Party having a small lead potentially, despite all the problems that the Conservatives have. And despite all of the problems, the Conservatives are still seen as better than Labour on handling the pandemic. Admittedly, Labour aren't in government and also still better on the economy. So our politics hasn't moved anywhere near as much as the newspaper headlines in the last fortnight. Okay, and you say that people are broadly behind the lockdown measures and it doesn't necessarily reflect their opinion of the government. Just how behind those measures are they? I mean, I'm thinking particularly about Christmas. Are people going to be willing to maintain some level of measure over Christmas or is that when everything goes to pot and we see our families and, and, well, no, and people I think that's, lose support I think for that's, it? I mean, I think people will be, you know, there's going to be large-scale breaking of rules if you're told you can't see your family. And at that point, people will just decide to do it. But overall, I think what's been interesting is just that there's about two-thirds of people who just say, you know, they support the government measures um, completely. Uh, 73% say they're observing the measures completely. And it's only about a quarter of people who say that the measures are causing more harm than good. And so I know I think the British public, to be honest, are pretty much in it for the long run. I mean, if it, you know, they'll try and be sensible. Um, and, yeah, and of course, if, we, if all the shops stayed shut and we stayed not being able to go to each other's homes right through Christmas, I think you would see a lot of law-breaking, shall we say. But overall, the public wants to do what it takes to control the virus. And um, they've been very consistent about that, actually. Yeah. Having said that, as you say, is is that also in their best interest in some senses? Because you have actually found that poverty is now increasingly being mentioned as a concern. So, you know, it's, it's the debate, lives versus livelihoods. Sure. And uh, the analysis that we've done shows that, um, the, you know, the poorer you are, the worse you've been hit, in a sense, unless you're absolutely on your uppers on benefits to start with. But the lower your income, if you were in work, the more likely you've had to draw down savings, etc. And what the virus has done is polarise some of the you know, inequalities that were present before all of this began. But at the same time, there's, you know, despite all of that, people are, you know, they want they want to deal with the virus. And, you um, you know, yes, broadly, the furlough scheme has allowed us to, to protect a lot of people, but certainly not all people's livelihoods. It would be obviously things would be infinitely worse without it. But yeah. the public is, you know, the public when the public gets its sort of mind to something, it, um, it, it hasn't flipped. They, they, there is a clear and present danger. And it's I think the challenge for, for the public, in a sense, is this calculation mm. of risk. People, People want to, you know, they want to sort of know what the risks are. So they don't mind driving too fast and smoking when they do because they feel they can calculate the risks of those things. What they can't do, of course, is, count, you know, if you get it, what's going to happen, uh, et cetera. And it, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens as we come out of, hopefully come out of lockdown and hopefully have turned the corner on the infections. But the public wants to do what it takes. And what about a vaccine? I mean, we we're talking to Mike Kane from Labour a moment ago about, um, I mean, they want to sort of crack down on social media companies and any sort of fake news around anti-vaccine. The public support that. We, we've done a survey on this globally and actually three quarters of people on the planet, in, well, at least in the 33 major countries we surveyed, wanted more regulation of social media. And in Britain, what we're seeing is a decline and in America and across Europe decline in, in support for vaccines. But nevertheless, the last published figure we produced was 79% of people saying that they would take the vaccine when it's available. 
Uh, and so there is there is anxiety about things being rushed through and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the anti-vaxxers have had a field day on social media. But, but more positively, actually, um, there's a tracking study that the office um, Ofcom, which is our regulator of communications, does. And the proportion of people who said they've been exposed to fake news about the virus has actually halved during the epidemic. And some of that is because of what Twitter and Facebook and others are doing. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.